Hello and welcome to the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast. I'm Mike Berberich, Senior Director of Marketing Futures and the host of this episode. We're back with another installment of our series in partnership with the ANA Awards Program, which celebrates great marketing and innovative thinking from the industry's leading brands. Today, I am incredibly excited for you to meet Corinne Fight and Kristen Bell of Area 23, one half of the serendipitous collaboration behind the ANA Multicultural Award-winning C-Sound, a new product for the deaf and hard of hearing community. C-Sound by Wavio uses AI-powered machine learning to listen for common household sounds, such as a glass breaking or a baby crying. Once detected, the technology sends a tailored smartphone notification to the user. Corinne and Kristen discuss the inspiration behind the project, explain how AI was trained to recognize and differentiate sounds, and shared the fateful meeting that took C-Sound from idea to reality. Today, I am joined in the Marketing Futures Podcast studio by Corinne Fight and Kristen Bell of Area 23, an FCB health network company. They've generously taken the time to chat about one of just the most inventive and inspiring campaigns of 2019 and a winner of the ANA Multicultural Excellence Award, C Sound. And this was well, we'll get there. Can we start off, Corinne and Kristen, telling me just what you do at FCB? Yeah, just a little bit about yourselves. Sure. So both Kristen and myself, we work on a brand at Area 23, which is a company under FCB. Day to day, we partner on you know projects varying from digital to print projects. We work specifically on a small um, NTM lung disease brand. So we kind of work day to day on all the projects together. Um, we're both associate creative directors on that team. And in our free time, you know, we explore outside projects, which is C-Sound was one of them. If you aren't familiar, Area 23 has an internal initiative where they essentially encourage creatives to come up with their own, you know, initiatives based on personal insight or any kind of human insight. And then you pitch those ideas to Tim Hockey, you know, the executive creative director. And then from there, you know, they take it up to the ladder of FCB executives and then they decide if this is a project worth, you know, all of the extra time and resources. That's really cool to kind of have like a a built-in entrepreneurial engine within the company. Was that just kind of always the way it was by the time you guys joined or was that a more recent development? It's one of the main reasons why I came to Area 23. I just always thought that was a really cool way to facilitate really inventive creative. Yeah, I agree. It was happened before I had come here and sort of the idea of pitching this what ifs is the kind of concept of this little sort of incubator, if you will. But the what if idea is sort of, you know, we all work on our day to day projects. We have sort of the time that we're billing to clients, but not every single day. Right. We're working on the most exciting projects. We might be doing a flashcard. We might be doing a banner ad. So it kind of allows you to take a step back, stop. And on company money and time, we're allowed to sort of bill against thinking of really great solutions to any sort of problem. So I think ideally, right, for our company, we'd be thinking on something we could sell into the client. But every once in a while, there's a nugget of an idea that I think is really promising and has a lot of passion behind it. And the company could be willing to invest sort of their own resources and time, like Kristen mentioned, into pursuing something that might not be paid for by anybody else. That's just so cool because Obviously, how do you innovate is a question that we get a lot at the ANA. 
And the first step of that is culture. There's no piece of technology that's going to be worth anything or agile scrum anything unless you've got the people up top saying, yes, we are comfortable investing something without knowing what we're getting back if it's an idea that can actually change the world. The ANA Multicultural Excellence Awards are sponsored in part by Essential Accessibility, a comprehensive digital accessibility as a service platform. Essential's co-founder and chief strategy officer, Spiro Papathanasakis, shared his thoughts on what made the C-Sound campaign special. Stick around as later we'll hear his thoughts on the importance of diversity and inclusion in advertising. Spiro, take it away. The C-Sound campaign was great for raising awareness of the unique needs that are experienced by differently abled individuals, how innovation and technology can benefit them. It's really thought provoking, it was educational and inspiring, and it was created in a way that resonates with everyone. It took what is complicated technology and made it very easy to understand, uh, regardless of who you are. So. Congratulations to Area 23 on winning the 2019 a Multicultural Excellence Award for the disability category. Well done, everyone. Let's talk a little bit about C-Sound. And for something like this, I'm going to let you guys explain exactly what C-Sound is. I could do it, but not do it justice. <laughs> and there's this idea that, you know, inventions like this come from an aha moment. But in our talks leading up to this, that that wasn't exactly the case for C-Sound. So I'd love to, if you guys could just, you know, explain what C-Sound is and then kind of how you got to this place. Sure. I mean, I think C-Sound at the very core of it began as sort of a passion project. But just to kind of give the overarching definition, C-Sound is the world's first smart home hearing system for the deaf and hard of hearing. And it was definitely a long road to get there. Where the final product ended up in terms of a smart home device was definitely not the first sort of route that we dove into, but I let Kristen sort of take it away from the beginning and how we sort of had that initial spark. You may not know, my husband's deaf. I've been living with him for the past like 10 plus years or whatever. And I brought this insight to Corinne, my partner, you know, talking about like, there's just a lot of sounds that he just doesn't hear. You know, he has a cochlear implant, which, you know, works great for him. But unfortunately, with cochlear implants, for someone who has, like, never experienced sound before in their life, he never really understood what sounds mean or what exactly is he hearing. So he literally wouldn't be able to tell the difference between laughing and crying. That's one thing. Or like the presence or absence of sound. Yeah, yeah. It's just he's aware of sound in general. And on top of it, he usually doesn't even wear it at home. So it's kind of just something that he has sometimes for, you know, when he needs it. So I'm just sharing a bunch of like general experiences that with Corinne, because I just I felt like there was something that could be solved. So he doesn't really like relying on his cochlear implants and just being able to access sound. It can be very like there's a lot of sounds that are convenient to be aware of. And there's also sounds that are, you know, very life or death. Like there's some like very crucial sounds that you should be aware of. So when, you know, we were thinking about like, how do we focus this? Like, because, you know, there's sounds everywhere. Everything emits sounds. And so how do you focus that in? How can we like, we were thinking about like, oh, there's all these sirens. Is there all these outdoor noises and stuff? And, you know, is this like a wearable device? Does that make sense? Is that really like sustainable? Do people even like wearing devices? Because there's such a saturated market. And so we started talking about 
most of my experiences happen in the home. So anytime, you know, he's left the water running or maybe he's, you know, unaware that I'm violently ill in the bathroom and I could use some help or I stub my toe and I'm screaming out in pain. Like, it's really just all focused around a selfish wife right now. But like, <laughs> but these were just like, it's made me think about like, well, what if I was in a serious accident and like, I really needed his help? Or what if we have kids and like, all kids want to do is hurt themselves. It just felt like a unnecessary disadvantage, especially within your home setting where you should feel the safest and most control. We're looking at current smart home technology and in the hearing world, you have all these like really great appliances. You have Google Home, you have Alexa, you know, they make, you know, living at home like great, you know, you can talk to it all day. But these devices are not accessible to deaf and hard of hearing at all because they're all audio based. So naturally, that's something that we've never been able to use in our home. The story that Kristen told me is essentially that not only are they not marketed toward deaf, but the deaf simply just don't buy them. So, I mean, you can think of how many deaf Americans that there are in the United States. And that's a huge market of people that want technology like this, but it isn't being built for them. And I think the technology too, I mean, you told me stories that Chris had showed you, your husband, when she first entered his home upon dating him for the first time and the technology that she saw in the house, you know, things that are made for the deaf look dated. They're ugly, you know, they're out of date and they look disabled. And I think you had said, you know, many of them still have antennas. You know, those are technology that we left behind years ago. For someone who is, he's a young photographer, you know, who has got all the right tech in terms of cameras and has all the cool stuff, but all of a sudden now has, you know, in order just to hear his doorbell, he has to have a really antiquated device. Yeah, and that's like all sound accessible devices within Home for the Deaf are very like single service. So they can only perform like one task. So if you got like more than one door, then you need more than one like, you know, little door alarm. If you have a fire alarm, it's got to be plugged into an outlet somewhere. So there's just like a lot of like inconvenience with all these products. There's no true smart home ecosystem that exists. Right. Like seamless integration right. is miles away yes. from what they're even considering. Yeah. Know, right. If it functions, get it out into yeah. the market. It just seems silly because Homes now, like, can be totally seamlessly, like, integrated with all of your appliances. I mean, just everything. The promise of every Alexa commercial yes, you've ever seen. I know. And I want that so badly. <laughs> so these are sort of all the problems, right, that we see bubbling up, sort of the access to sounds critical and convenient, and sort of the idea that this technology is, like, years behind, right? So I think as we started doing our research, to Kristen's point, we kind of noticed, okay, there's a lot of things that people are doing outside of the home. But the kind of core to what we believe in is that when you come home, similar to how we take off our pants at the end of the day, change into sweats, deaf people take out their cochlears. They might not wear them at home. They're in a comfortable area. They're in a space with people that they trust, you know, in a secure environment. And so we kept circling around this idea that, like, we needed to protect that space and make that sacred. And it was really important to us, you know, not to go down the line of saying that deaf people are helpless or, you know, that deaf people can't live in a world where they can't hear sounds. That's not it at all. But as we sort of started discussing and kind of floating this idea around the deaf community and around friends of her, Kristen's husband, as well as others in the community, more stories started bubbling up. Yeah. Really scary stories, really funny stories, but sort of the full gamut. And I think that was when we kind of really realized that it wasn't just, you know, a selfish wife, that it was something that was a really big need. Yeah, it was a shared experience across the board. Like every deaf person or hard of hearing has a story whether it's like something kind of funny and silly or if it's just truly tragic. 
I mean, we heard everything from like cats, you know, getting stuck in places they don't belong in, which they're really good at doing, you know, and also like people not being aware that their kids crying for help because they hurt themselves. You know, you think about there's wildfires in Australia, California, only a couple of years ago had their spur of wildfires. And Spencer from Wavio, he wasn't able to hear all of the evacuation alarms going off and required someone to come in and pull them out. So sounds are, you know, really crucial to be aware of. So you mentioned going into the deaf community and getting their stories. I think especially when going into like a differently abled community, authenticity is huge. As you guys were describing these products that were kind of like lost before step one, you know, they were almost designed to be like, well, I didn't think too much about this, but what was the approach? How did you guys get it right? I know you guys kind of started talking about bringing in the community to get that thing. Was that more anecdotal because you already kind of had access and this was already a part of your life? Or was there sort of a structured, insight-driven process in the process of making C-Sound? We communicated a lot to a lot of different individuals that we had access to. Most of the people were, you know, friends of my husband's, friends that we've known from college, parents that are deaf, just trying to cover like a full gamut of everyone that we could speak to and just asking questions about like what sounds have they missed out on that, you know, felt like could have been preventable. That helped us figure out like, okay, if these are like the common sounds that happen in the household, then this kind of drove our ability to choose which sounds are really important for C sound to be able to hear. And I think that's just really where we started was that core sound list. Yeah, and I mean, when we started kind of reaching out, we did sort of anecdotally start to have conversations, but we actually did formalize a survey to sort of get a better picture of what do you have in the home? What do you use? Do you find anything useful? What do you think is missing? And we got a lot of really valuable feedback from a bunch of people, not only their stories, but also kind of what they're using. I mean, people saying that the only way they knew something was happening is if their pet did something. You know, they have to rely on their pets and their partners to tell them when something's happening in the house or, you know, crazy stories about, you know, medical devices that they need to hear um, and their partner for as well. So that was kind of a little bit of a formal process where we started getting a better idea. And then we were able to start to formalize a sound list for it. I mean, the process was very slow. Again, we're two girls who have never before invented a product, don't work particularly in the tech space, you know, so I think it's a big learn as you go. And because it's not a formal brand in FCB Area 23, it's kind of a, a side project, right? So it's something that we're working on in addition to our day-to-day jobs. So there isn't also like a full team in place that's staffed. So once we kind of had the idea, once we had the company buy off saying, hey, we're interested, it sounds cool, you know, we think that you're headed in the right direction. Then we started asking other people who worked at the agency that we trusted to get on board with giving us their weekends and extra 12-hour days on top of their work. And we were very fortunate to have an amazing group of people who were willing to do that because they believed and were passionate about the product like we were. But sort of that was where it began. We finally had a a semblance of a team together Mm -hmm. and we started sort of putting a scrum together and, you know, project managing the heck out of it to try to build toward a goal of getting it put together in our first prototype. And it was definitely a long road. A lot of late nights. How did you connect with Wavio? And then once that kind of connection was made, how did you train C-Sound? 
this thing that a lot of people kind of forget is that AI is nothing without the data that you feed into it. So what was that part of the process like? We discovered Wavio when we were kind of like latent to our process. We have a working model and we were still putting out surveys and we get a respond back saying like, hey, this technology sounds really familiar to, you know, this company of three deaf guys that are working on sound recognition. At first we were like, we felt defeated. We felt like, oh, we're not doing original work. This whole project's just like, there's no reason to move on if something's already out there. Yeah, I mean, and just to kind of jump in there, we're, we're months in. We're working on the prototype. The software, you know, based on the development team that we were working with at Area 23 was pretty much finalized to what we had wanted. So we had been doing all of this work internally. And I think one thing that we were struggling with was what we had kind of mentioned before was this sort of like authenticity. So we had been backed, right? We had been vetting our ideas and our thoughts through the deaf community on our side but we really needed a deaf partnership. And we had been actively reaching out to numerous groups and people that we knew on LinkedIn. We weren't getting responses. We weren't getting any feedback. No one wanted to sort of jump in on this sort of pro bono, give us your time, let's work towards something and see what happens. And so that's kind of the space we were in. So we were desperately looking on this one track for someone to partner with, but kind of forging ahead with all of the tech and development internally. So we're pretty far at the time that we kind of connect yeah. with Wavio. So Wavio comes out of the blue. And then, you know, to Kristen's point, it was this sort of devastating realization that, like, did we just do something that, like, we might have to put pause on and sort of rethink of the whole thing? So we brought it to our creative director, Tim Hockey, and his suggestion was, you know, either we partner with them because otherwise, like, of course we can do a great job. But why would we steamroll a small little company that's been, you know, around for like the past like four or five years? Especially in a space like this. Exactly. That's so the opposite end of the universe of the point. Yeah. Right. So he suggested us to reach out to them and see if we can partner with them. And that has been like the greatest partnership. I don't think we could have asked for a better team to work with because... They were so quick and so excited to respond to us and to get on board and support us and help us. I can't imagine getting this far without them. Mm -hmm. I think it was truly a really beautiful marriage because, you know, while we had been doing the software and the hardware design internally, Wavio had been sort of spearheading the software very similar to what we had been doing. So when we had this conversation, you know, we were like, okay, we're heading in parallel tracks. We are willing to cease and desist because we know that you guys are out there. Unfortunately, during our research, you know, we tried very hard to uncover anything that might have been out there before. But again, they're three deaf tech guys. They don't have any marketing or advertising. It's all word of mouth through the community in terms of what they were working on. So it was just a matter of time, essentially, until we found them. But we didn't in the beginning. So we had this amazing conversation and they were willing to sort of jump right in with us. Like Kristen said, it was very, very seamless, I think, moving forward. We sort of had roles and responsibilities. You know, they took on one end, we took on the other. It actually was amazing for us because it was something they were already doing. And again, we had resourcing problems, right? We had not a lot of time. We wanted to get this product to market as soon as possible. So all of a sudden now we had three more people who were just as passionate and excited about it as we were. And we sort of were able to split responsibilities and work even better together. So it was really an amazing 
we kind of talk about it as like the stars aligned. Yeah, we just say the stars aligned when we all just found each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because it was for them too to have a huge marketing company. I was just about to yeah, say, yeah, yeah, on the opposite the, end. The one element that they mm-hmm. were missing. Yeah. It makes you feel warm and fuzzy. I, was gonna <laughs> say, it's like, I just went from goosebumps to warm and fuzzy yes. all in like one second. Um, <laughs> please welcome back Spiro Papathanasakis, co-founder of Essential Accessibility. As the leading accessibility as a service provider, what are your thoughts on diversity and inclusion in advertising? Really, we like to see inclusive ads extended to general and mainstream products and experiences that really speak to and can be used by everyone. So for example, taking an alarm company where uh, they're marketing a system that has specific functionality that benefits people with disabilities, then that would be an example of inclusive advertising example. You know, uh, everyone can benefit from the alarm, which also happens to have functionality that serves people who are deaf. Now, taking this even one step further, it's critical that disability is not viewed in isolation from the mainstream market, but rather a part of what we would call the broader consumer marketplace. So including people with disabilities in on-brand ads, it builds the brand equity with the core audience as well. The ad can be about any product, not one necessarily or specifically for people with disabilities. That's the goal, and that's what we like to see. Ads that are inclusive of people with disabilities, regardless of who that product is for. We've partnered over the years with the ANA to uh, create the Disability Category Award as part of the Multicultural Excellence Awards. And these, these types of initiatives and partnerships build awareness and really help shape advertising in a way that is inclusive to everyone. Again, we don't want anybody left behind, nor do the brands and uh, nor do the organizations from a DNI standpoint, both from a consumer and an employee standpoint. So you found this, like at kind of the right time, the inflection point was there. You go into market, what has the reaction been from the deaf community? overwhelmingly positive. Um, And yeah, we can't get these things into homes fast enough, basically. Like there's so many people that want this, that need this, that even outside the deaf community, there's people that have like elderly parents who've lost their hearing. There's Mm -hmm. veterans who have had hearing damage. It's across the board where this product can be so useful to so many people. We can't move fast enough, honestly. Wavio had laid a great partnerships, you know, with all of these advocacy groups, and they've been in talks with a lot of the nationally ranked organizations. And so we kind of have this net, essentially, of consumers ready to kind of day one, ready to go. And so we're really excited to sort of get that started. And, you know, the manufacturing right now we're working on, we're aiming hopefully to end of year. Obviously, things are going to come and go. We've been sort of alpha and beta testing, you know, getting sort of those kinks worked out. But yeah, I think that it's going to be sort of an amazing journey. And I guess all is to say is it's still happening, right? Mm. We're still going forward. We're still figuring it out. There's new people entering, you know, now that we're sort of in the manufacturing stage that we had never worked with before. So it's definitely an exciting journey. We're learning a lot, but we're working really furiously to sort of keep going and kind of continue to hit the milestones and have sort of a, a broader product plan in place. That's just incredible. And congratulations. Like, to take something from the, like, the ether and mm-hmm. to have it now where you're talking with, like, mass manufacturers, that's just a, a really incredible journey. So researching this and kind of seeing what was said out in the world about the entire C-Sound campaign, 
and we touched on it a little bit, but I wanted to zero in for a moment. Collaboration kept popping up. So obviously the meeting Wavio at the right time and just having the energy and the enthusiasm like pair up so well, that was a little bit of serendipity. Talk about kind of what was needed to happen on a collaborative level throughout this whole process from where it started with two people excited about an idea Kind of what was in place at Area 23 or what were the like nature of the people that joined on to this that made this possible? Sure. I mean, I think we'd both be the first people to say that we would have never been able to accomplish this without the team that we had. I mean, we had so many dedicated people, people who gave up their weekends, people who gave up their holiday breaks Mm -hmm. to work on this for us and with us. People outside of the agency as well. Pulled in friends, pulled in connections. Anyone, anyone willing to give us a few minutes of their time whether it's to capture someone's personal story or to get their feedback on, you know, our approach or on our script. Everything needed to be vetted through someone that isn't hearing. Right. (laughs) And I think to that extent, you know, we knew from the beginning that this was a product that we wanted to build. When you think about advertising, when you think about sort of entering the award shows, the Cannes Lions and things like that, you hear a lot of times people, or I guess even for us, being first time entering cans for both of us, we had heard sort of stories about, you know, well, products get made all the time. It's sort of a political minefield at can in terms of like what's real and what's not, you know, and like, are you going to submit products that are fake that are really just a flash in the pan for awards and that are just going to sort of disappear once the awards circuit sort of completes. And so we had seen these ourselves and sort of just researching and kind of, hey, we saw this great ad that came out or a great product, but like, I never saw it. Like, where is this? You see those things from time to time and you want to make sure that that's not you. And that was really important to us. You know, we never sought out to make a gimmick. We never sought out to do this glitzy glam, you know, only for awards. And that was a really important sort of tenant as we began the process. We said to each other, like, this is for real. And we made sure to communicate that to Tim Hockey, like, regardless of where we ended up, sure, let's hit the awards, let's do you know, what we want, not only to make sure the product gets out there, but to get Wavio the recognition that they so desperately needed and the platform. You know, we had told them on this partnership call, they've just met us. Hey, we're Kryn and Kristen, and we're going to put you on the biggest world stage. And we did, which I think is an incredibly humbling experience for everybody involved. But it was something that we essentially told them we would do. And it has like catapulted them with the likes of Microsoft and Google, you know, their headlines. So it's been a really amazing journey for that. But the awards for Sound for us was to get the recognition for Wavio and to get the product news out there. It wasn't necessarily that we could show off, you know, or that it wasn't for a gimmick. To sort of roll that back as we were building and as we were working through it, it was really important for us to sort of get it right. So we were making sure we took all the care in terms of developing the sound list. We were making sure that we took time to think through the form factor of what it was going to look like. We brought in an industrial designer, you know, because we weren't the right people to do the job for that because we knew that the goal was sort of marketing. So it was important for us to sort of hit the right milestones along the way because we were going to be manufacturing at the end of the game. So we didn't want to skip any steps. And we also just didn't want to disappoint all the people that we've been working with. So again, going back to all of my friends and my husband's friends, if we don't follow through, then we're just using them. We're just exploiting, exploiting them and taking advantage of them. So that, it just never felt right. Like that's the anxiety that I think that just kept me up at night. It's important for us to follow through. 
Before I let you go, we have a couple of questions we ask absolutely everybody who comes through and joins us on the podcast. I know that this is a special episode celebrating some of the winners of ANA's Multicultural Excellence Awards, but this is a question we've asked everybody since day one, and it's nebulous by design. What are your thoughts on diversity and inclusion? Like I said before, without diversity, you don't have the different point of views. And inclusion, without being inclusive, then you're just being exploitive or you risk being exploitive. And you also just risk not being truly genuine. Anyone within the deaf community could just see right through our campaign and our product if we weren't being inclusive. And so without having that involvement, we just wouldn't be authentic. So now we've got what I've been told is the hardest question that we ask here at the podcast. I'm going to need an answer for both of you. Favorite album of all time and why? I don't have a favorite (laughs) album of all time, but the album that came to mind, something I listened to a lot when I was in college and I feel is appropriate for this discussion, Queens of the Stone Age, Songs for the Deaf. Very nice. Great album. Very nice. Yeah. Corinne? I would say Bon Iver, mm-hmm. 22 a Million. That album is, to me, many things, but I've been following that band for a very long time, sort of through early albums. 22 a Million was sort of a really innovative breakthrough in music, and I've read it described as sort of a Jackson Pollock and not a Michelangelo. So not necessarily like a work of art, but an artistic working through which I thought was a really interesting insight, but it's sort of this album that is this genesis of change and this time point, essentially, like a thinking through. I relate to that in a lot of different ways, but I think it's very, like, sonic. It has a lot of, like, tech to it, but it still has the beauty of earlier albums. Very nice. If people want to learn more about C-Sound, where can they go? Uh, And just Area 23 in general. Time to shout yourselves out because you've done some pretty incredible work here. Well, if you want to learn more about C-Sound, you can go to csee-sound.com, area23healthcare.com. Mm-hmm. Yep, so those are the two company ones. You can find it just by Googling, see many yeah. things. Find us on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Corinne, Kristen, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Congratulations again. And this has been the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the ANA Marketing Futures Podcast. Got an idea for a future episode? Pun very much intended. Shoot us a note at marketingfutures at ana.net. To learn more about the ANA Awards program and how you could be our next grand prize winner and possibly podcast guest, head on over to ana.net slash awards. And lastly, but not leastly, for all of the trend and innovation insight you could ever ask for, head on over to ana.net slash futures.